Greetings, troubled listener. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I'm Renee Coman, sitting in the safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, uh, feeling pretty good here, enjoying this weather. Uh, you know, the, it's, a, it's a nice uh, uh, temperate 75 degrees here in New Orleans, uh, yeah. mid-December. It's very strange if you ask me, but yeah. Yes. I now, I don't like the darkness. I don't, I don't like it getting dark at, at 530. I find that uh, it's uh, very depressing. It's, it feels like Oh, doom. really? I love it. I love Do it. Do you? Yeah, I love it. Get dark. I want the dark. I want the shade. I want everything closed. You know, I want the, the drapes down. I want oh. the shutters. I want to put foil on my windows so no one can see it. Paint yeah. it black. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I love it. I wish it was that way all the time. Well, it's a good time of year for that then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, when we were playing the Circle Bar, when the Circle Bar was still open and the iguanas would start at, uh, at seven o'clock, um, as it would, I would hate it when I would have to start playing and it was still light outside. Cause there's something about like playing a nighttime gig when the sun is still shining. It just seems wrong. So, yeah. so yeah. in those months when it would, uh, you know, the time would change back to, to, to being light later on, I would make sure to close all the drapes before we started, you know, at least make it like kind of whorehouse dark, you know? Yeah. It throws yeah. your clock off, throws your right. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I don't know who came up with this idea. I think Hitler might have. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but you know, either, crime against humanity. Yeah, just decide on one or the other. And I know there's a few states that um, don't even deal with it. Indianapolis, know? I think. Indiana. Or Indiana, right? Yeah, and Arizona. And Hawaii. And Hawaii doesn't deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, how would you like to be in Alaska where, you know, you're going to bed at 10 o'clock at night and the sun's still out? I mean, that would, that, that, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be tough. That be would tough. be very tough. Or but, this uh, time of year where it's dark pretty much 24 hours. Right, right. exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I could never deal with that. I, I, but that's why uh, the state of Alaska pays people to move there, I think. You know? <laughs> they, actually, they, they they actually pay pay women, in fact. And I actually knew a girl who uh, moved to Alaska because they paid her to move to Alaska. And then they pay you after you're there. You There's a, right. a living wage. Right, right. Yeah. Alaska needs women. Sure, <laughs> sure. Sure, yeah. They can who always, always use more. I mean, well, who doesn't need women? Right, right, exactly. Mars needs women. That used yeah, to be. Mars a, needs right. women, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. But uh, I've been staying busy. Uh, played a played a few shows. Played a, a loose cattle Christmas extravaganza. Had a cavalcade of stars there on Sunday. A lot of uh, troubled men podcast guests. And, oh, uh, that's not, well, you know, get it get it going now because I have a feeling it's going to all be shut down again soon. Well, you were saying that, Manny, and I was saying no, no, but, uh, you know, it's definitely some places that look really bad have higher cases than, than yeah. ever before. Well, you know, the campus, the big university that I work at, they, uh, they announced yesterday, they, they started putting all the, uh, um, the stuff that they had done a year ago. I mean, mask everywhere. They even told all the, um, all the, uh, certain departments that have their Christmas parties and stuff like that. 
got to cancel them. Can't mm. do these Christmas parties. Sorry, you know. And uh, the spike in uh, the students, especially the first and second year students, uh, getting positive results is out of control on the campus. Really? Oh, yeah. They're, they're quarantining uh, people like crazy, even though these kids want to go home for the holidays. Huh. Uh, they're not letting some of them go home. I guess they're letting yeah, some man. go home. I don't know. L.A. County is mandatory masks again. Yeah, L.A. and uh, it's 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 kind of crazy going. This so what I found though, talking to people on the campus is that uh, you know a year ago uh, this was going crazy nuts and stuff like that, uh, especially with people middle aged and older. But now it seems like it's all young people. Hmm. It's all a lot of young people, and uh, even at my 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 daughter's high school, lots of kids are testing positive and stuff like that, and uh, they're having to quarantine. But uh, you know, I don't know. I, I to me, I you know, I don't go out, so I'm okay with it. But for someone like you, who uh, needs to go out to earn a living, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, man. Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling concerned myself, but of course, it's really not whether I'm concerned, it's the overall environment and whether these gigs can go on, whether people will go out and you know, whether you can have indoor stuff and you know, New Orleans it hasn't really been cold to where everybody's uh you know, uh, huddling inside, so I'm not sure if we're getting a realistic picture of, of where that's that may be. I guess, you know, maybe we had a little spike after Thanksgiving and a lot of gathering. We'll see what happens after after the Christmas and New Year New Year's holiday. I don't know. I you know, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that I found out just recently that sleeping in your car is illegal. Hmm. Did you know that? Well, I know while you're driving, it's illegal, you know. Well, but, uh, no, but but just you know, if you pull over to the side of the road just to take a nap or whatever, apparently it's illegal in hmm. this state and in many other states. You know, uh, I have I have been rousted by a uh, by a deputy like for sleeping in a uh, in a in a uh, what do you call it a um, what are those things you pull off a rest stop? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that to me is stupid. I mean, it's called a rest stop. You're supposed to you know, pull over and rest. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. But I, I found out just recently that uh, here in the city of New Orleans that you, you can't sleep in your car. And, you know, I found it ridiculous because some people live in their car. Yeah. And plus, uh, you know, under Napoleonic code that we're operating here, you know, it's not English common law, our common law is Napoleonic code. The, the your car is considered, uh, an extension of your domicile. Like that's why you can have a, a gun in your glove compartment. It's not illegal. You can have a, you know, a, a, a gun that you could, any gun that you could have legally in your house, you can have it in your car. But uh, but apparently you can't sleep there. I don't know. It's, you can't it's inconsistent. sleep in your car. And I also found out, uh, uh, which is kind of crazy, is, uh, uh, you know, I, I actually was driving around and I saw signs because I live near the big park here, City Park. Mm -hmm. And I, I went through City Park to do a shortcut to get somewhere because I was late. And um, I saw signs saying loitering in the park is illegal hmm. 
So, I, I, you know, that makes no sense to me. It's like, I mean, when you go to a park, isn't that all you're doing? Right. That's what you, that's what you go to the park for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you go to the loiter. You know, I mean, you go there. I mean, unless you're someone, you know, I usually, when I, last time I went to the park was to take my kid, you know, to play in the sandbox. And I just sat there and I loitered. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. no sense. I mean, I mean, you see people jogging or bicycling or maybe playing volleyball and stuff. For the most part, you're loitering. Yeah, you shouldn't have to keep keep it moving, you know, like moving <laughs> target. Yeah, exactly. You know, isn't that what you do at a park? Yeah, you know, it may be one of those. There's a lot of laws on the books that they don't mean to apply to everyone or all the time. They just want them there so that uh, if any occasion arises that we want to, uh, you know, tell somebody to hustle along or arrest anybody we got plenty of grounds we just got But you know what's legal at the park hmm. is to sleep okay you can sleep you can't sleep in your car but you can sleep at the park what now can you sleep in your car at the park that i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> how do you sleep without loitering I'm, well that's I'm a good question about that Don. yeah that's a good question how do you you know and what is the real definition of loitering I mean, yeah, you know, if we could get an attorney to come on the program, we could we could get a lot of these questions <laughs> answered. But I've noticed that while we have no problem getting writers, musicians, uh, actors, uh, you know, anybody that doesn't have a real boss on or doesn't have to maintain a reputation, attorneys have to a man declined the invitation. <laughs> they don't want the evidence. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, they don't, yeah, they don't like anyone to get sued. Uh, but so, what else is going on with you, man? Well, uh, uh, what else is going on with me? Well, a couple of things. I, I you know, we were talking about Bob Dole uh, dying last week on the show, and oh, and yeah. somehow I pivoted on to uh, Marty Allen. You know, the great comedian uh, Marty Allen was saying that that yes, he was still alive. And that maybe we could get him on the podcast. The fact that I'd brought that up, I thought, well, let me go try to do that. You know, that's, sometimes the podcast suggests guests on its own, you know. Or just, so so I went and looked it up. As it turns out, I was wrong. Marty Allen has been dead, dead for a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> only a couple of years. You know, he died in, in 2018. And he was, I, I think Marty Allen would be 99 right now if he was still alive. But he lived to 96 and was still sharp. So we were not far off, but... Uh, uh, alas, the, the, the window of opportunity is closed. Well, uh, he was, yeah, I liked Marty Allen. He had that, uh, uh, he was, he reminded me he was in the same vein as comedians like Buddy Hackett. Yes. You know, who were, who were like real filthy at times. <laughs> and when they went on like the Tonight Show with Carson, they really had to like tone it down and stuff like that. Right, you know, right. Like, Guys exactly. that could go to Vegas in the small room and really slay, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, those guys almost came from vaudeville. They go back. Uh, Buddy Hackett, I think, goes back that far. Yeah, probably as a kid on vaudeville, or or, or the new vaudeville that was reestablished after the World World War II and stuff. I don't know if they go that far back. I mean, because if you're if you're talking the original vaudeville, you're talking, you know, like uh, the Marx Brothers. And- Right. Well, Marty Allen was born in 1922. So, oh my God, so, really? <laughs> so yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he, he could have been drafted into World War II. You know. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
well, yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sad, sad to see him go. Sad to, to find out that he was gone. But uh, you know, never be another. He'll, uh, he'll, he's a giant. Yeah, a nation. Go out and YouTube him because he's he's a funny fucking guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's a funny fucking guy, and um, uh, yeah. So, what else is going on with you, man? Um, well, let's see, uh, planning for more dates. We'll see, you know, uh, uh, COVID holding, uh, the iguanas are, are backing up a terrific singer songwriter from, he's actually from North Louisiana, but he's based out of Nashville now, Kevin Gordon. So, uh, the iguanas are going out on a, like a 10 day tour, starting in Nashville, going through, you know, Ohio Valley and Midwest and, uh, ending in St. Louis, so uh, looking forward to that, and and you know hoping hoping that all that comes off. It's also well, maybe the first to say it's been nice knowing. Right, right, yeah. right. You've said that all along, Manny. But yeah. yet, yet I've I've uh, I've I've come through this unscathed, and uh, you know stronger than ever. Have you? Have well, you I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how's your roof, Renee? Uh, the, the roof is, is still open, hasn't been, nothing's been done to it, but I did have, uh, conversations with the adjuster today and, and the, uh, a roofing company and the wheels are in motion, man. Things are moving, uh, emails are being sent, attachments are being attached and, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we're closing in on that and that, that would be a, a great, uh, a great thing to resolve because we've been so fortunate since, since Hurricane Ida, we probably had like half an inch of rain in two months. It's, it's been bone dry, Yeah, but that true. won't last forever. It's going to, there's going to be a reversion to the mean here and we're going to catch yeah. up on the rainfall. Well, the thing is also, you just had a tornado in uh, the uh, in Kentucky it devastated like I don't know how many towns and stuff like that. Oh, so it's terrible. Now, all that focus from southern Louisiana is going to go there now. You know, because we, we're still waiting. We got approved for some money, but they're still, you know, we're still waiting to get the paperwork. They said, we'll send you the paperwork. You just sign in the dotted lines and we'll get the ball rolling. And that was like three weeks ago. Still haven't received the paperwork. Yeah, I'm afraid the rest of the country uh, forgot about Hurricane Ida uh, a long time ago. Well, Hurricane Ida, though, hit a lot of the rest of the country, just not southern Louisiana. So I know, you know but, uh, so. but but they've moved anyway, on. Anyway, a crazy thing, you know, that mm -hmm. tornado in, in Kentucky. Yeah, it was terrible. Destroyed a, a candle factory. These people were working late making candles, you know, uh, I don't know. For, uh, for 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 when you lose power, they're making candles. Yeah, right, like right. Took out an Amazon warehouse yeah, and too. Did you hear the Amazon uh, company? Mm -hmm. And it was fired. New. Yeah, it was brand new, but they fired all their employees who forgot to clock out after they were buried in the rubble. So oh, Jesus! They fired Last, all of them. Gee. You know, that's Amazon for you, man. Everyone says, oh, I'll just go to Amazon. I'll just do Amazon. Amazon's evil, man. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. It's, uh, you know, like, I don't know like how, they... how much your family uses Amazon, Renee, but, uh, for, to buy things. But uh, uh, my wife and daughter, uh, they use it a lot. I refuse. I mean, why? I can't buy a pair of pants. No. Yeah, online. Why would anyone buy why would anyone buy clothes online? 
I agree. I agree. Clothes, shoes, anything like that. You know, even if you see a good picture of it, you can't really tell until you see it in real life. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and you can't tell how it fits, how it feels, no. how it forms to, you know, everyone's body's different. Sure. You know, I, I gained, you know, almost 85 pounds <laughs> since uh, the pandemic started. <laughs> you wear it well, I got to say, man, you know, it's, uh, you know, for a guy your size, it, you, most people wouldn't be able to, uh, to, 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 to wear that weight, but you're, you're doing a, a swimming job of it. Because I wear lo- everything black. Black covers all it's, that stuff. Okay, it's the black is slimmy. It's hiding yeah, it's that 85 pounds. Thing. Yeah, and I wear bolo <laughs> ties, and I I'm always, always have a toothpick in my mouth. <laughs> okay. So it makes you look thinner. Right, right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. That makes sense. Anyway, uh, uh, I, that's all I got. Except, I, oh, actually, I got one more thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for the most part, I can't stand people. You know that. Sure. I, I really, I, I have no need for people. They're, they're just, um, they disappoint me constantly. For all the obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. no, no mystery. Yeah, and uh, but I was uh, at Wadzilla's house. Our good friend Wadzilla. Okay. I was hanging out with Wadzilla. A week ago and uh you know he lives across the street from a supermarket and uh he said we need uh more ice so i went across the street to get more ice and i go to that line that has like 12 items or under Mm -hmm. express line yeah. yeah the express line and this woman in front of me has like a shopping cart full of stuff items and I said, don't you know how to read? It says 12 items or less. And she said, well, this lane was open. And I said, who gives a fuck of this lane? All the lanes are open. There's a sign that says 12 items or less. You know, what the fuck are you thinking about? And of course, she, she looked at me like I'm the asshole. You know? Sure. It's like I'm not the asshole. There's there's about eight other people behind me that I have two I have twice twelve items or less, and you're here, and you know those twelve item lanes. They're like kind of compact lanes. Yeah. You know? they don't have the big uh, uh, conveyor belt and stuff like that. Right. It's there's no like, room for much more than that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it was kind of cool because I got everyone behind me to like start going, you know, like coming down on this customer. And she, I think, I think what she was, what do you, I think it's a new thing now. She was a Karen. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a thing yeah. like a, like a, uh, some, uh, middle-class person who has a sense of entitlement and, uh, ability to, uh, to use the rules to their advantage when it, when it suits them. That's right, usually okay. what that so means, you know, this person was a Karen. call the cops, that kind of thing. Okay. Right. Yeah. But. She didn't like pull out her phone and start taping or anything like that. She just kept saying the lane was open. The lane was open. And, uh. and it just pissed me off so bad that I just kept, um, basically what I, <laughs> what I did was I just started breathing heavily behind her. <laughs> I was breathing like, down her neck. <laughs> literally. Really? <laughs> And I think she got the message not to ever do it again, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I felt bad for the cashier because, you know, you know, these cashiers, they're not the most 
They're not making a lot of money. Yeah, they're not making a, a lot of money. Right. They're and, not doing because uh, they have a lot of opportunities outside of that. Right, right. and I felt bad, and, and she basically, uh, I think she did what her boss told her to do: let let the Karen go through. And sure, yeah, yeah. Better to to not have uh, uh, any big turmoil with the with right. the customers. Just trying to get through the day. Right. right. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, everyone has you know works for a living. They're just trying to get through the day, but you know. For people, troubled nation, don't do that. If you got 40, 50 items in your cart, go to the regular line. You know? uh, I, that frustrates me endlessly. Like, yeah, that drives me crazy. Yeah, right. yeah, it's part of the social contract. We all have to operate within. Right yes. there. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, there's this, exactly. <laughs> all right, listen. Let's introduce our guest. He's exciting to me. Let's get him going right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're going to love this guest. He's uh, he's he comes from from your neck of the woods, Manny. He's uh, prison. What's that? Prison. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, uh, I've, yeah, I've been in prison, but just just to play a gig. Okay, well that that's your story. Um, that's good. That's a good. That's a good cover. But uh, he's a terrific singer, a guitar player, a, a master of the Telecaster guitar, uh, as well as a mandolin and steel guitar player. A great songwriter, very successful songwriter and solo artist. He's a close confidant and longtime collaborator of uh, the great Dave Alvin, uh, previous guest, as well as uh, as. Uh, close friend of the iguanas the dearly departed chris gaffney uh miss him terribly anyway he's played with a, a million people wanda jackson uh, uh on and on and on we'll get into all that but without further ado the great mr rick shea welcome rick hey thank you renee and thank you manny i'm really really happy to be here and be part of the program thank you very much Man, well, so, I don't know if you'll feel that way by the end of the show, but right, yeah, okay. right. We'll start <laughs> off on a good foot. Yeah. Though, right? there you go. I, I like that, Rick. I like the positive attitude. Now, so, so, Rick, uh, I, I saw that uh, you you were born in in the the D.C. area, Maryland, or something, and but but then you you uh, you're part of a military family and and moved to San Bernardino as a moved as around a, a lot East Coast and ended up out in the um, San Bernardino out here in Southern california when i was about 12 and from there my dad retired so uh the family stayed there but uh then kind of scattered from that area there's really nobody my brother's in eastern san diego county in the desert area but nobody else is in southern california except for me everybody's kind of moved out of this area so what branch of the military your father was in air force he was a career officer all right so what base in san bernardino that Stop. used to be Norton Air Force Base, okay, yeah. Right. yeah, which has uh, been uh, decommissioned. I don't know if that's the correct terminology. Yeah, that sounds right. But, sounds yeah, right. but it's uh, no longer an air base. It's still a um, some sort of. They use the field there. The the you know planes take you know come in and out of there, but not not commercial. So I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe it's yeah. CIA. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. So that was, oh, if my memory served me right, that was like. Kind of north of Palm Springs, south of Barstow. Well, it's south of Barstow. Yeah, um, it's um, east of uh, Los Angeles on the Ten Freeway. It's not far. It's about um, forty, fifty miles from Los Angeles. 
So, uh, um, that's where I, yeah, that's where I grew up and my wife and I, we met out there. There's a mountain area up there that uh, we lived in for, I lived in for a long time up by Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear Lake. If you've heard of that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Now that's the end of route 66. Is that correct? Well, route 66 actually ended in Santa Monica at the pier, pier. but, uh, yeah. yeah, San Bernardino is quoted in the song. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's the only reason I know that I'm, <laughs> but uh no but, yeah barstow kingman san bernardino that's i got him out go. of order but yeah right 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 well now coming from dc as a as a 10 year old 11 year old and moving to uh to to san bernardino it's like out kind of dry deserty uh area sort of right yeah like, yeah there's a bit of shock <laughs> i was gonna say it must have been a big culture shock uh, it was you. i was looking for the beach boys you know uh-huh. um <laughs> and uh didn't really find it but yeah. uh um i loved it so out what there year is it? so this is the 60s yeah yeah in the 60s okay. so i was about 12 years old and uh um uh 11 or 12 i can't remember but uh i loved it we were close to the foothills and, uh, and you were close you, to Spawn Ranch and the Mansons, right? Uh, that's that's further out in uh, um, <laughs> the um, the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, that's up north more. Yeah, I know. No, that's a, that's a little yeah. more to the uh, to the west. So the San Fernando Valley is just north. That's the area where a lot of Burbank and Woodland Hills and all of those communities okay. are part of the San Fernando Valley. So, and that's where Spawn Ranch is. The north end of that, or was? It's kind of all. It's, I think it's all housing developments now, but, uh, yeah, we were here when all of that went on and it freaked us out. You well, know? I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah. I was a kid and all that. You so know, you I, remember all of that? That was, Oh yeah. I remember cause I had older brothers and sisters and my parents and glued the TV and stuff. And I think when I don't, I was maybe seven years old, but I, I could remember all that, you know, this guy Manson and his followers and the murders. And it kind of oh. killed the whole hippie thing besides everything else. I was a kind of a fan of the hippie thing, you know. And Well, I was going to ask you about that. That So did did, uh, did Flower Power make it to San Bernardino or were you just saying oh, that sh- on, on? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of everywhere. Uh, so, um, as soon as that was kind of any sort of a thing, I, I my favorite first bands were like the Buffalo Springfield and, um, you know, I kind of moved into country rock sounding bands pretty quickly and there was a strong hippie element there. Neil now, Young. Do you have older brother or sister? Yeah, older brother and got introduced to a lot of music uh, right. um, so uh, from him and his friends. Vinyl and you were listening to a lot vinyl. of vinyl, Bob Dylan, uh, all the Bob yeah. Dylan of that era, sure. That's uh um the birds. That's you know that's that that's what we listen to. So and was it in Maryland or in California where you picked up an instrument? Not to, well in Maryland. I started playing uh, trumpet in the school band. I was really keen on uh, playing music, however I could. I, I really wanted to play piano or saxophone, okay. but uh, you know it's that's bigger expense. So I ended up with uh, trumpet in the school band. Uh, probably three, four years, I guess. Uh, played again, you know, for a couple more years after we came to California. But as soon as uh, as soon as I had a guitar, that was it. I was done with the trumpet. So. And you just kind of learn from records, or did you, were there good players around there? I, I know that there was like a lot of this honky tonk scene there, and uh, well, well, how did, how did you learn to play? 
uh, records and friends. There was always, you know, there was always somebody that, you know, played something that, you know, um, you know, oh, he can play, you know, this part to this song. And so we'd all go hang out. And I, I was pretty good. I picked things up pretty quickly. Um, the honky tonk thing. Yeah. The bars, the country bars. And that was, that was going really strong at that time. Uh, I was still really young, but later I first started playing, you know, sort of folky sort of hoot nights, acoustic sort of places. Um, you know, well, first we started trying to put together bands and in high school and we were never very good, but I, I played little solo acoustic sort of things starting in high school and, and after that. But at some point I, I, I kind of fell into playing, um, country bars. And, uh, even before I really was that familiar with a lot of the country, you know, uh, the older country songs, I just kind of fell into it. And I found out I could make, you know, a sort of a living 40, 50, 60 bucks a night and five, six nights a week, sometimes seven. And, uh, I did that for a number of years and that was kind of the tail end of all of that. Um, uh, by the time I was doing it, it was, it was starting to fade away. And, uh, um, you know, at the time I started doing it, people still went out a lot. They went out, uh, you know, even, you know, Monday, Tuesday night could rock like, you know, New Year's Eve. Hmm. But, uh, um, uh, you know, that went away, you know, well, you know, cable TV and people could, you know, you know, people, you know, there wasn't as much else to do. So they went out, but, uh, as, as there was, you know, those, those sort of places started to die out after a while. And I, I kind of started to fall into playing other things, I guess. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, your, your, your dad's military, uh, did he expect you to go into the military? He would have liked it very much, uh, but he didn't, uh, well, he kind of, they put a lot of pressure on my oldest, you know, oldest sister, the oldest sister and, uh, my older brother. So they were kind of in the line of fire and, uh, um, he didn't, he fought it pretty hard. And by the time, uh, you know, it got around to me, they just had given up. And, uh, um, so the pressure was kind of off. And, uh, he wasn't really supportive of the music thing, but it was, it was more of a thing that he, it was just so, he was like a career military guy and, and doing yeah. something like music was just crazy to him. So, he, you know, he was supportive in his way. He came to shows, but it was, it was nothing he ever understood. It was, it was just a crazy thing to him. Now, I was I was talking to this musician uh, last week who uh, grew up in a military family, and uh, and and she said something to me, and I, I was thinking of you today, and and thinking like, did, growing up in that milieu, did you feel like uh, you have a sense of discipline that the average person doesn't have because just through osmosis? There's a real strong push for it, but uh, I. It never took with me. I okay. was never, yeah, I, I just, I, I didn't want any part of that. And uh, he was also a religious guy and, and tried to, you know, really worked hard to get us, you know, to raise us as Catholics. And I wasn't really keen on that either. So I guess a lot of that may be um, me, but n my sisters and my brother are kind of the same way and they had different battles to fight, I guess, but we all kind of ended up in the same place. So, um, so when your parents came to your gig and they smelled pot everywhere, how do you think that made them feel? 
I don't think they recognized it. Okay. <laughs> I don't think, oh, yeah, really? okay. I don't think they, no, they, you know, even at the, yeah, they're both gone now, but I don't think they, uh, I don't think they ever recognized it. Wasn't, wasn't part of their experience. So at some point in high school, you, you get turned on to the whole Bakersfield scene, Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, all that stuff. Sort of. I started listening to country, uh, radio in high school, but that was more of a, uh, a thing of, you know, I mean, I was kind of going in that direction. I'd listen to the flying burrito brothers and some bands like that, that were mm. really pretty hardcore country or that's what they were drawing from. Right. And it was an easy step to start listening to, you know, um, country radio and start listening for the Merle Haggard songs. But it was more, I was kind of a music snob, in high school and uh if you know we started listening like the first led zeppelin album came out and we were keen on it and we we listened to that you know and as soon as anybody else was listening to it though it was like oh God, i'm not listening to that anymore you know and it went you know <laughs> with any of the other bands so when i discovered country radio i had that all to myself nobody was going to be listening to that so right when do you start having uh you know your your first big professional success uh is is uh, is that in la or, or how do you how do you wind up is is dave alvin you meet him early on or how how does that all happen yeah i'm still waiting on that professional success but um, <laughs> <laughs> um i met dave pretty early on still part of the blasters i was a big fan of the blasters saw a dozen or more of those shows around town um and uh um met him there not sure he remembers, uh, but, uh, and then sometime not long after that, it was kind of after he left the blasters and I was with Chris Gaffney playing in his band and we did some, they got to be buddies and we did some shows with Dave, um, you know, where we would play an opening set and then Dave would come up and we would be the, you know, um, you know, backup band for Dave. So I got to know him then, and then uh, he called me in on some things he was doing, recording session, and you know, and then just informal things kind of around town. So that's when I got to know him, and then around '98, '99, he uh, he kind of talked to me about uh, um, you know playing with the band, you know, kind of on a full time basis, and I did that for about five or six years. Nice. So when you're seeing the blasters, you're talking about the late seventies and early eighties, right? Yeah. I think early night, maybe 1980, in fact, 80 or 81 at the P Palomino club. It was still just four oh, of yeah. them. Out it there was, in Reseda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, North Hollywood, but, uh, it was, um, I, I don't actually, I don't remember. I don't know. Remember if Gene Taylor was, if it was before he was in the band, cause it was a four piece. Right. Uh, but, uh, or I think Gene Taylor might've been kind of in and out of the band, even after he joined, he got, you know, other gigs with, uh, you know, he was kind of an in-demand keyboard player. So are you living in LA now? LA County. I'm in Covina, which is like the Eastern, uh, San yeah. Gabriel yeah. Valley, you know, yeah, where West Covina. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But when we had Dave on the show, he said that, um, his brother, used to get on his case because he actually moved to L.A. He was living near in Melrose and stuff like that, and his brother gave him shit for that. But uh, uh, did you ever notice any of that stuff? 
there, uh, yeah, I, I was around them, and there's uh, definitely some, you know, rivalry, friction, you know, brothers sort of, you know. Well, yeah, brothers, of course, yeah, you're yeah, fight yeah. Like so I, I've been around them, and even in the later years, I, I've seen that, and I've I've had a certain amount of that with my own brother, kind of a different version of it, but uh, um, I, it didn't, it didn't, it seemed kind of maybe a little intense, but it didn't seem like anything really more unusual than, you know, a lot of brother sort of things, I guess. Right. And Renee, remember when Dave was on the show, he talked about that, um, uh, what was it, that uh, apartment building that he lived across the street from? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, I do remember him talking about, uh, you know, moving to Hollywood and how his brother never got over him moving on the other side of the of the hill. Right. And, yeah. And also uh, Dave said that, you know, he lived right off Melrose. And back then, Melrose in the 70s were nothing but uh, auto parts places and auto, you know, auto uh, uh places where you get your car fixed and now uh-huh. it's like you know it's like you know it, it's melrose it's fashion it's you know art galleries and stuff like that and i remember that too it's crazy crazy going there well well uh, uh rick i want to back up for a second because you mentioned chris gaffney um and you know we haven't talked a lot about chris gaffney on the show but but uh what a tremendous talent Ta- tell the nation uh, uh, you know a little bit about chris gaffney Chris was a powerful singer, uh, just uh, and just a great, great singer, um, songwriter, great songwriter, stage presence. I worked with him uh, in bars and honky tonks, in you know uh, other shows. He was on tour with us with Dave Alvin. I worked with him all of that time. I played on one or two of the albums I played on that first album that they recorded for ROM records. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris was just, he was a character. There is really nobody like, he was completely original in every way. Just, you know, uh, just funny, sweet. Um, but also, you know, I mean, there could be another side of that too. And, uh, um, but you know, I, I was never in a situation that was, you know, it was always pretty easy just to kind of keep some distance, but, uh, um, just, uh, just a powerful singer and just, you know, um, country music, uh, you know, uh, rock, you know, he loved, he loved everything. He, you know, that's where I really first started playing any sort of Norteño or, or, you know, uh, Spanish language songs was with those guys, mm-hmm. um, a great accordion player, really a nat he's just he's hard to describe he's really hard to describe for me just a, a wonderful guy he, he came in on on an iguanas record and 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 stayed with rod and and we we had all the bottoms recorded we're just doing overdubs and and we already had a lot of vocals recorded and and he said yeah i want this guy chris gaffney to come in and sing on this I'm like we already got all the stuff he goes wait till you hear him and he comes in and you know it could be four parts already and chris would hear a fifth part and go oh yeah i could sing like this go holy shit chris how do you even fucking hear that note in there man yeah he could do that and he was just a any and he was such a natural musician he never i never had a conversation or never talked to anybody else either about whether he had a background or anything but uh 
he really could do anything and, and, and know where he was going with it. Now, how did you uh, fall in with Chris? How did you first meet him? Through Wyman Reese. Do you remember Wyman? Mm, I know that name. So Rod knows Wyman, and uh, uh, um, Chris and Wyman had a long, long musical relationship already, and this was probably 1980-something, so I was playing a little truck stop bar out in Redlands area, and uh, um, the guy that played bass... Alan Hamill and Wyman were good friends and Wyman would come out and stay with him and then come hang out when we were playing. So I got to know him then. And at some point he just kind of brought up playing some, some of the gigs or, or whatever it was with Chris. And, uh, I started doing those. Uh, we played the Palomino a number of times. And like I said, that's where I got to know, um, Dave, we went to Arizona, played some gigs there, some shows there, some, some wild times, as I remember. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, and then I really got to, but I got to know Chris a lot better after, um, you know, when, when I was on tour with Dave, Dave brought him on board. Uh, um, you know, first he was selling merchandise and Chris really wasn't any good at that. Chris, just, uh -huh. you know, you know, he just, you know, couldn't keep track of the money, you know, just couldn't keep track of the merchandise, you know. It's kind of a consigliere. Uh, yeah, sorts, but he was right? great at, you know, talking to the, you know, anybody who wanted to come up and just kind of talk and everything. He was great at that part, you know. <laughs> but, right, uh, right. So after a while, he just worked his way into the band, which is where mm -hmm. he wanted to be. And uh, so he was on stage there next to us, riding in the van, and uh, we roomed together a number of times. That's That's really where I got to know Chris a lot better. Right. Man, man, what a guy. I miss him terribly. Well, uh, Rick uh, and Manny, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at my glass. Uh, it seems like about that time, huh, Manny? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, it's time. Uh, we're going to, uh, the nation knows what to do. We're going to take a little break, uh, refill our libation, and troubled listeners, uh, our listener, we'll be right back. All right. Down at the bar at Gypsy Sally's just be cool, you'll be all right. You can pick your pills or pick your poison, but yeah, you sure don't pick a fight. She's got a shotgun in the corner. She keeps the shit behind the bar. And if someone tries to play some masquerade band, Sure won't get too far Down at the bar at Gypsy Sally's Staggerly is shooting poo Little Walter's in the alley Making a mess some poor folk Lightning's in the corner Frankie Lee is with a band When Thelma pulls a pistol out Says she's going to shoot some man You know it's not some grand illusion And we're back Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet Back with our guest Mr. Rick Shea. I am Renee Coleman, 
And uh, Rick, we're back to our original sponsor for the Troubled Men podcast, uh, which is Loose Change. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, many, many shows will have a, a corporate sponsor, uh, you know, uh, or individual sponsors. Ours are where it's a listener supported operation here. I think they're one of my sponsors too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not talking about the program here. We're talking about, uh, contributors to the, uh, to, to, to the, to the, to the cause. And so, you know, every week we, uh, we make an appeal to the, to, to the troubled listeners all collectively uh, to, uh, you know, locate that loose change, whether it be in your daughter's room or your pants pocket or, uh, you know, at the bottom of the dryer. And, uh, you know, we have several avenues to, uh, to support the podcast. We have the, the PayPal link, uh, sometimes referred to as the cocktail fund. And it's right there in the show notes. Uh, it's, uh, paypal.me slash troubled men podcast. We also have, a, a a Patreon page and, uh, you know, we have several tiers of support, you know, for those people that listen week in and week out, you can support us week in and week out and, uh, have, have, uh, one of our longtime patrons, Mr. Hirsch Katzen has, uh, got on and, and upped his commitment to the troubled men podcast. He doubled his patronage uh, over the last week. So that's a, a great vote of confidence. And we do appreciate that. That's from, wonderful. From Hirsch, yes, he's a he's a solid citizen, and uh, he loves the podcast. So you know, I, I know he's not the only one out there, but uh, you know, there's definitely room in the in the uh, on the Patreon page for more people to sign up. So please avail yourselves of that. Again, that's the it's in the show notes as well, or the uh, the the Facebook page, and uh, you know, beyond that, follow the podcast on social media. Uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, you know, be it uh, wherever. There's a million places to listen to podcasts, but subscribe, uh, 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 give us a five-star rating, review us. That all helps. And uh, what else? Am I missing something? Well, it's, it's, it's not too late to, uh, to get a Troubled Men podcast t-shirt for yourself or a, a loved one, although I'm not sure it would make it by uh, Christmas, but, you know, who's counting? And, uh, well, Manny, you know, it's something I, I, I mentioned, I mentioned to it, to the guest is this show is going to be coming out on, uh, Festivus, which is coming right up. It's going to be a Festivus for the rest of us. Oh, cool. That's, uh, next Thursday, which would be what? The 30th, the, the, the 23rd is, oh, the is 23rd. yes, yeah. this will be coming out on December 23rd, a festivus for the rest of us. And, uh, you know, part of our standard thing is a uh, airing of grievances. So we, we usually don't have them, uh, you know, so built up, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's been a couple of years of grievances. I mean, I've been happy for the most part, this last couple of years, but I know a lot of people haven't. Right. Because they haven't been able to do what they want to do and all that kind of stuff. But airing of grievances, yeah. Airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, <laughs> you're going to hear about it. <laughs> the great Jerry Stiller. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, um... Yeah, and I know uh, New Orleans does something, uh, don't they? Do something downtown. They they uh, they have an open market and people hmm. uh, 
air their grievances and stuff like that. Okay. All right. Um, well, well, we're, we endorse a, that. They have a a, sh- a a poll. Oh, they have a Festivus poll. Okay. Yeah, they have a poll. And the 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 feats of strength. They have yeah. some feats of strength competitions. They do something like that. I don't know. But anyway, okay. let's get back to our guest because he's exciting to me. Yes. 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 When we la- last left off, uh, you were you were uh, out there with with Chris Gaffney and and Dave Alvin, and uh, so you wind up playing with Dave for a good long time. You record uh, some some terrific records the the grammy winning public domain yeah, record yeah. You're on I got that to, one i got to play on public domain yeah i've got a little, little grammy certificate on my wall for being there yeah nice nice now there's i, I always wonder about this uh, uh do you now call yourself a grammy winner having played on a record that won a grammy uh, I haven't yet, but maybe I will. Uh, <laughs> uh, you see, a lot of people do in that situation. I'm in the same situation as you are, where I played on a record that the record won a Grammy. It's not, you know, it doesn't say Renee Coleman. <laughs> you know, I have a <laughs> similar thing as you do, you know, but uh, but then I see plenty of people, they, they say Grammy winner, and then I go and dig into it, and it's the same deal. It's like they, you know, they produced a record that won a Grammy. It's like they didn't get a... They didn't get a Grammy for production. You know what I mean? Well, did anyway. you get an actual trophy, that little golden thing? Well, certainly the artist does. And then other people that, uh, um, like if the Iguanas won a Grammy, I think every all of you guys would each get an individual Grammy. Right. But in the case of, a, of a, an artist where, you know, it's, a, it's one person's name on the record and then a whole bunch of people played on the record... Yeah, no, uh, they don't. No, they don't we, give everybody a statue. You get certificates, or or no, I know, got a certificate, and I had to pay for it. <laughs> oh my god, really? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a lot. It was forty bucks, and it's embossed. It impresses me. <laughs> sure, sure. No, well, it's uh, the you, work have, is you have it hanging above your toilet. Uh, well, I, more or less, it's in my studio. But yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, so that's 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 a, a terrific accolade to, that you have now. Uh, you know, along the 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 way, you've played with uh, so, some other associates like Amy Ferris. Is, uh, I got to play on one of Amy's albums. Yeah, I got to play on a number of albums uh, that Dave produced uh, um, with Amy. Uh, she was just so wonderful, and that seemed like such a wonderful. Al- I enjoyed that album a lot. They're all different, as you know, uh, but that one, that just seemed to evolve in a certain way. She came in with sort of sketches of songs, and the songs sort of evolved with everybody, you know, making some contributions. Certainly Dave, of course, and uh, he he helped uh, kind of, you know, with the songwriting, actually. But uh, um, it was a very kind of, you know, um, everybody hands-on sort of experience. So I enjoyed that one a lot. But uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to mention Christy McWilson. So Dave also produced uh, her albums. Uh, a couple, I, I got to play on two or three of those. And uh, nice. Peter Buck and Mike Mills were there because uh, Scott McCoy, she was still married to Scott, and he was in REM. So... Um, those guys were there certain times I got to meet them and actually work with them on, uh, something that they were doing. 
And uh, now you wound up. Is that when you wound up playing on the the uh, Man on the Moon soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. That was actually during those sessions. So they were doing that at a different studio. We were up at Mark Lynette's place up in uh, Glendale, and they were at some big studio in Burbank. And uh, yeah, they needed me to play. They asked me to come down and play steel guitar, and so. I was down there for two different days. I played uh, some, you know, some things to the, the the actual, you know, film, you know, so the score, mm-hmm. and then played a couple of songs with, you know, I got to play with REM, set up and play with them, which was a pretty cool experience. So very nice, very nice. Yeah, it was very cool. Let's go back when you met Dave back in the early '80s. Now, are you uh, jamming with bands like X or anything like that? No, um, I've gotten to know John Doe uh, like on the train trips and played with him kind of, you know, a little acoustic setting on the train a couple of different times and and around town things. Uh, You know, I've gotten gotten to know him, but no, no. And and actually um, DJ Bone Break, I played a few different things with him uh with uh Back Sid in the, Straw. In, in the day or since then uh it was uh, it was kind of in between the heyday of x mm-hmm. and then uh when they started getting back together so um but i never played with x as the whole band or anything like that that would be a wonderful experience that would be pretty amazing and awesome but no i never did that dave's uh most recent record that he that he put out from an old guitar uh, we were we were talking with him about that record, and then I, I was going through it, and actually on on his episode, I played a cut that had uh, Amy Ferris and Chris Gaffney on it. So that was uh, that was a very very cool thing to to have those guys. Uh, you know, it's it's the kind of thing they're gone now, but uh, you know the, the the music lives on. Their spirit's still there, man. Even. Yeah, I, I never feel like people are that far away, especially the older I get. It just kind of seems like they're in a different place that, you know, because you lose touch with people anyhow, especially doing this sort of thing. You'll, you'll kind of be busy with someone for a period of time and, uh, and then, you know, you pass sort of diverge and then you may end up hooked up together again years later down the road and pick it up again. And, uh, I mean, I miss them both tremendously. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I don't, I don't feel like people are that far away anymore, I guess, especially the older I get, you know? Yeah. 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 It's uh, we'll be joining them soon enough. I guess that's the, the idea. Behind that. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to spell it out, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly. Won't be long now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never take them out of my phone either. You know, there's, there are, Amy's number is one of the first ones that I see if I ever go through the phone book that way. Cause, uh, if they call, I want to know that it's <laughs> that them. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. I don't, I don't ever, uh, excise people's names from the phone, even when they, they, uh, leave this plane as it were. But that album of days was tremendous. I think I'm on about three or four. So I don't, I'm wondering what song was, uh, Chris and Amy, because I, um, I'm on about three or four songs because that that album was a lot of the the, uh, songs from an old guitar was a um a lot of stuff that he had uh like there was a period of time where i would just get a call from dave and uh you know he would be be booking a session and he wouldn't you know he wouldn't say it was for anything in particular sometimes he would with certain things but uh and we would just go in and record some songs you know and uh 
you know, he, and then I wouldn't really hear anything about them after that. And, uh, um, a few of those ended up on, uh, um, on that, that album. I still don't have a copy of it, but I listened to it on some, I looked it up on some streaming or something mm-hmm. and it, uh, it's a great album. It's a powerful album. Yeah, man. Now you've done a lot of solo stuff though, right? Yeah. Well, I, I have, I've, uh, been since about 1980 something. I've been, I've always been doing that besides playing solo, just you and your guitar or solo with a band. Well, I have a band that plays with me in Southern California. When I tour, when I go out of town and, you know, especially to Europe, uh, that's all solo acoustic guitar, acoustic guitar and a suitcase. But, uh, um, no, I, I have a, 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 a solid band that plays with me, uh, here around in Southern California, around town. There's a, we do kind of a regular, semi-regular, irregular residency at this little place called the, uh, um, the cinema bar that really is a lot like the circle bar, hmm. not, not the way it's set up at all, but it's, it's, it's small in Culver city, right? It's, it's in Culver city. I've played there for so long. I was there just a couple of weeks ago and that was the first time, uh, for me since everything shut down. But, uh, well, I grew up about eight blocks from that. Bar. Do you know the place? Have you been in oh, there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's an old place. It's kind of cool. It's been used for films and some videos and things. Dave shot one of his videos there. Well, the last time I was there, I think, was uh, when L.A. or California decided, okay, you can't smoke indoors anymore. And it was one of the last bars that said, uh, you can still smoke indoors. Uh, we won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone, but it finally ended. It's a great little bar. Great really little is. bar, and they kind of roll to their own, you know, just you know, like you're saying and stuff. Um, but, uh, I've played there since, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. A long, long time. Uh, and, uh, you might know my on... sister. She was a regular there. I, I pop in once in a while, but she was a regular there. Uh, her name was Belinda. I don't know if you know. I her. may have run into her because yeah. I, you know, I played there so much. There'd be like a period of time when I may be busy with other things and, and maybe didn't play there for, you know, sometimes most of a year. But, uh, yeah. uh, then I'd be back playing, you know, even a couple of times a month or more. And the great thing about the cinema bar, it's only a few blocks away from Tito's Tacos. Yep, oh. Tito's, and then there's the other, the pastrami yeah, the sandwich pastrami. place down oh, the yeah, street. Oh, yeah, Johnny's. Yeah, Johnny's. There's good, there's good restaurants, There's good, and it's gotten a lot better. Uh, it's old Hollywood places uh, because, yep. because of MGM Studios down the road. All those places popped up because of the studios down there. All the studios in Culver City. Yeah, it was a lot more. um, Well, it's gotten a lot more upscale and maybe gentrified that whole area, which makes me miss the old neighborhood somewhat. But I mean, it brings in a lot of nice things, too. So, yeah. Well, you're not going to replace Tito's. No one's going to replace Tito's. No, that's got a good solid clientele. The place, which is right next door, has changed hands a couple of times, but that always. It's, I think they it's Italian well. now. Oh yeah. Well, well, that was the original Tito's, right next door, the, on the corner. Yeah, that was the original Tito's, but they got so big they moved, uh, you know, a parking lot over to open that bigger one under the freeway overpass. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was in L.A. Uh, in May for that one week that everything was opened. 
And I went to Tito's, got me some tacos, fabulous. And then we flew back, and all of a sudden, everything cl- closed down. Well, again. I'm glad you got to come out and enjoy it while it lasted. Oh, somehow. yeah. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. You know? Right, right. Well, uh, so as Manny was saying, uh, you know, you've, you've, cut all these uh records as a solo artist you have 10 or 11 uh records on under your name and the most recent one you recorded uh during the shutdown uh love and desperation tell us about that yeah well i I had about six of the songs already tracked with uh bass and drums and i've been working on my own in this i'm in my studio here out in the garage just a little space just a little room here but i've been recording here for the like the last 10 or 12 years, um, you know, my own albums and then uh, other albums too. When I work with other people, I've produced uh, other artists and occasionally people will, you know, get in touch with me and ask me to play, you know, steel guitar, mandolin guitar on something. So I've been doing that for a number of years and that's how I would, I've made all my albums the last four or five albums. I'll record the bass and drum tracks somewhere else, or usually just the drum tracks and then bring it back here and then just start to add everything else, bass and uh, um, all of my parts and everything. But with this album, so I, I had about five or six of the songs with the drums tracked. So that was still the normal process. But then I had another five or six songs that I wanted to complete. So I got into some new territory of, uh, you know, um, uh, tracking the song here to a click track and sending it to my friend, uh, Sean Norse, great drummer, a uh, good, uh, little studio set up for himself. And, uh, and then he would play drums and then send them back. And then I would get started working on it from here, but everything mm-hmm. went out. Everything was all files going in and out, you know, right. all the, you know, nobody, nobody wanted, I knew guys that were getting together, but the guys that I work with, really kind of didn't want to they wanted to play it safe and i was fine with that so we all just kind of worked remote and uh um you know kind of um sending the five i had files coming in day and night right you know, Re- trying- Re- recording by email yes I, oh, did I, did, I did some of those myself and and we had some very successful uh uh you know uh songs done that way because people really take their time when they're sitting there on their own clock yeah yeah they're like oh let me get this sound uh let me mm, listen back Mm, i'd like my drums to sound a little bit different let me mess with that and because plus we had all this time to to that we were trying to fill up with playing music it's like you know it was really kind of perfect i was very happy with the results couple of things uh, were a little bit more work and, and kind of figuring things because there's there's a lot to be said for just being in the room, same room at the same time. Sure. And you can't replace that, but n- yeah, no, and, we couldn't and you, do it. You start to realize, you know, I mean, communication is not all just verbal and, and you can't get it all into an email or, or a text message. A lot, there's a lot of nonverbal communication that goes on, you know, when you're in a room together. Sure. So, uh, there was, there was some things that, you know, kind of learning how to do it. But as I said, I'm really happy with the result. I think, you know, everybody got on board and, and, and really was, you know, and did their best, like you said. So I'm, I'm really happy with it. So. Man, I saw, and you wind up getting a uh, four stars in in Mojo magazine from the from the great Sylvie Simmons. Man, you I was really happy about that. That was very cool. Yes, 
Yeah, I couldn't ask for any more than that, man. No, I, yeah, I was pretty thrilled. It got great reviews all across the board. I was really happy with the reviews, got a ton of great reviews. Uh, we didn't do good on radio. That was disappointing, and it took me a little while to figure out what was going on. Uh, um, uh, you know, I had a, uh, um, I had a guy promoting to radio and, uh, you know, he was, you know, the, na- the typical thing is you send to the station and I found out partway through it, or even after we were, it was almost done, nobody was going into the station. All these people were getting, you know, were program, you know, doing their radio programs at home and sending them in. Uh-huh. So if you didn't send it direct, if you didn't have direct contact and send it directly to, you know, nobody was getting it. So right, right, right. Oh, that that was a bit of a drag, but uh, you know, I mean, you know. But isn't radio dead? I mean, who listens to the radio anymore? Well, there's that going on too. I mean, uh, um, you know, people have so many choices of where. I, I that I think that people are a bit overwhelmed and and you know with. So many choices to listen to, you know, uh, like cable, it's like TV. There's a million channels. There's a million channels. You can watch old stuff. You can listen to old music that you grew up with, or you, you know, it's, it's harder now than ever. I think it it feels like it to me anyhow, to get people, you know, to listen to new music, but, uh, it's an ongoing battle. So a a needle in a needle stack. I like to say, (laughs) Well, I, I did see that uh, that you have some dates coming up. You're doing a, but besides the cinema bar, you uh, have uh, uh, some McCabe's dates or a McCabe date, and possibly uh, might be doing a series there or something. Yeah, I'm going to play at McCabe's uh, um, uh, great, uh, you know, um, music store uh, venue right there on in Pico Santa Monica. Boulevard, Pico yeah, Boulevard. yeah, right there on Pico. He goes back to the sixties. You're really very, yeah. you know, so, uh, my friend, Julie Christensen, you mentioned, uh, Kevin Gordon earlier. Yes. So you guys are going to do a tour with him. Right. So, uh, my friend, Julie, uh, who sang with Leonard Cohen and, uh, um, and on her own and, and, you know, uh, uh, a number of other divine horsemen and a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of different groups. Um, she, uh, she recorded an album of all Kevin Gordon songs. I haven't heard it yet. She just started to send me the links and everything. So she's doing an album release nice. show there. And then one up in uh, uh, somewhere else, I think in Ohio. So I'm going to do those with her and I'm going to open the show at, uh, um, at McCabe's and, uh, and we're talking about, um, uh, so the, um, the guy Wayne that's booking it now has, uh, we were talking the last couple of weeks about, um, they, he says they just, they want to try and get, you know, open it up to local, uh, artists a little more. They're a pretty conscientious place. I said, I always felt like it, it was, but, uh, they, he says they've always felt like they were, you know, maybe a little bit too focused on touring artists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, he sort of invited me to try and put together a, a night there, um, sort of residency once, uh, once a month, every, every month or every couple of months and, and bring in, you know, like local artists and have like, uh, two or three different people on a, on a show at night. So we're going to give that a go. We're still talking about it. 
Cool. I'm glad to hear that they're doing gigs there again, because I know that the fellow that had, had booked it for years uh, passed away, I guess, a, a few years ago. And uh, there was some some doubt as to with the future of those those uh, those gigs. Well, they yeah. also I think there was a year, I think about 10, 12 years ago that they were trying to book live sex acts. there too. <laughs> and McCabe. <laughs> yeah, McCabe. I yeah. missed that. I wish I would have. Uh, I would have been out on the road with, uh, with Dave Alvin or something at that time or or, or out with your guitar in a suitcase in Europe. But, you know, they called me. They called me, and I said, I'm out of town. I can't do it. <laughs> okay. Well, you can't You can't do everything, man. That's that's the thing. Well, well you know, uh, uh, actually, speaking of, of people that, that we all have in common, um, we we have a guest coming up who, who is an old friend of Manny's. And uh, when I was uh, looking, doing some research on him, I, I found out lo and behold, there's a connection to you. So next week, our guest is, uh, Keith Barry tree. And, uh, turns out you, you know, Keith going way back, huh? I know Keith from, I work at this, well, I, I haven't been there since this whole pandemic thing, but, uh, there's a little guitar store here in town where I, I, I live in Covina, a family store, been here since six, 1969, guy that owns it's kind of an old hippie and uh um i've kind of worked there on a part-time basis they've been very generous and when i've needed to go out of town or had anything they've, I, they've always let me take any time off i needed to uh and uh um uh keith was a teacher there he's go, he's moved up to northern california what from what i understand but yeah i used yeah. to run into him there we were kind of pals and uh he came up to he recorded clarinet on a song that uh, I was uh, um, of mine on an album, uh, Shelter Valley Blues, uh, um, uh, a few years back. And he's a great musician. He's very. He's now he's a guy that's very well schooled from what you know from what I could tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, Tree, yeah, Tree. Like I knew a lot of musicians in Atlanta. I always respected Tree because he could just pick up an instrument and play it, you know, and yeah. I'm not a musician. I'm a cello uh, was his main instrument. I yeah. think. Really? Yeah. Wow. But great on, um, I think anything else that I could think of, he played great clarinet did not drive. Well, that's hmm. what I was just going to bring up. I'll bring it up next week. This is a guy who lived in LA pretty much his whole life and never owned a car, never drove a car. And how wow. can you do that in LA? Yeah, that's he a real accomplishment. He figured it out. And and this he was before. You know, there's some. But you that's know, why he moved. Because he couldn't deal with it anymore because of the road rage, apparently. Oh. And we'll, get into, we'll get into that next All right. Week. Yes, yes, yes. Just a, a little uh, foreshadowing of, of next yeah, week. Tell Keith hello for me, please. Oh, okay, we will, yeah. Absolutely will. Well, uh, well, Rick, we're kind of uh, getting down to the the, uh, the the downslope of the podcast here. It's been so great to have you. You have any uh, closing thoughts for the Trouble Nation? Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, looking out into the horizon, hopes hopes for our country, uh, concerns. Well, you know, I I I I have to confess, I watch or, or kind of read too way too much um, political sort of material these days for then is good for me. Yeah, it's a bummer. So, uh, but, uh, I, I am, I'm an optimist even besides all of that. I, I think things are definitely going in the right direction. even if it's very slow, I think that we're going to get through this whole thing, this pandemic thing. I think this uh, new variant is pretty discouraging, but I think it's not going to be 
it's not going to be like it was. I, I probably shouldn't say too much out loud. I don't want to jinx anything, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting out and playing again and, and, and playing, uh, you know, some out of town dates, come back to new Orleans. Oh uh, yeah. Well, the last place that I was, I was there in January, uh, of last year. Um, seems like so much longer ago, but I was there for, I came and sat in with you guys at the circle bar and I was there for the, uh, the folk Alliance. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. That was, that was the, the, yeah. Right before it all shut down. Huh? Yeah. So, um, uh, in fact, I think people at the, at the folk Alliance, I think it may have been going around there. There was a two or three people that I knew that got really sick with something that they thought was just the flu, but, uh, mm. um, yeah, it's, uh, um, that was the, that was the last time I was really out of town, you know, so to speak. So, right. Well, we will get through it. Cause, uh, what, what other choice do we have, Rick? Uh, and I'm glad it's... you're out playing and, and new Orleans seems to be, uh, um, kind of getting, you know, um, back on its feet, you know, maybe even a little faster than some areas. So, yeah, yeah. We seem to be doing okay on numbers yeah, right now. It's going to be shut down in about a month. Don't All worry right. about well, it. Well, that, that, that may be, that may be the possibility. Well, Rick, but, uh, Rick, before we sign off, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead, Manny. Would you, would you rather have to learn sword swallowing or fire eating? Um... I'm going to have to think about that. I don't think I could get a, a sword down. I think I would gag on it. So even though I would probably <laughs> rather not do either, I think I'm probably probably going to have to go with the fire eating. Okay. All right. That's one, that's one for fire eating. <laughs> How about you, Manny? Oh, uh, it doesn't matter what I think. I do both. Okay. <laughs> sure. Do it all. It's all. It's all yeah, good. Doesn't matter. I, I'm not here. Right um, on. All right. Well, Rick, you've been a fabulous guest. Yes. And as yes. always in the Troubled Nation podcast, we like to say what, Brene? We like to say trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Words to live by. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.